Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Come to Your Senses podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through a lifestyle of embodiment. You'll hear gems to empower you around mindset, mindfulness, somatic psychology, and neuroscience, as well as beauty, food, style, and the art of slow living to meet your soul through the senses. I am so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to Come to Your Senses. I am broadcasting today from South Carolina. I'm at my mom's house. Those of you who have listened to the last few episodes know that I am out on a listening tour where I am sensing in different cities along the way what feels like home to my body and my soul and my spirit for this season of my life. So I've been on the road for, gosh, six months. And there are so many gems that I want to share with you. In fact, I was thinking I should record an episode called Lessons from the Listening Tour, which I'm sure I will someday. But one of the things I've learned is how destabilizing and zapping it can be to my energy body when I don't have the container and rhythm and routine of home. On this tour, I've been moving from Airbnbs to hotels to friends' places and very grateful to have that freedom and flexibility. And I stumbled into my mom's place ragged and weary and exhausted And this is one example of what I have learned by studying the economy of my own energy. And that is our topic du jour, is how to free up more of your life force and more of your energy. I don't know a single person who doesn't wish that they had more energy and more of that slow golden honey, replenished, giving from a surplus energy in their life. And the ability to be productive for a machine is based on time. Because as long as that machine is plugged into the wall, 
with the exception of the moments where it needs to cool down, it has unlimited energy. But for a human being whose energy fluctuates like the tides and like the wind and like the seasons, our ability to be productive is based on the quality of our energy. And so there's a lot of ways to study this phenomenon that we call your energy, your life force. One of the things to know is that physical energy is just one of the energies in this economy of our energy. If you're someone who identifies as a highly sensitive person, empathetic, it might not be about how much you're physically doing, but about how deeply you're feeling that leaves you exhausted and feeling dull and feeling separate at the end of the day. So in today's episode, I am sharing the most potent gems I have collected in my exploration of the economy of my own energy and a list of questions because, you know, coaching really at the end of the day is just creating a safe container in which to inquire curious, compelling questions. And so rather than telling you what you should do to free up your energy, because I don't know you or your life or what your day or life experience looks like, instead, I'm going to ask you some questions to discover those answers on your own so that you can experience more of what I like to call your presence-based potential. Whenever I coach with a client, that's always really north on our compass is how can we create the art that that client's soul came here to create, but do so at the pace of their ability to stay present, where they're doing is fueled by their being. And so that's what we're going to be diving into today. But before we dive all the way in, I would love to do something we haven't done in a really long time, which is share a review from the podcast on iTunes. And so this review comes from someone I actually know who this is, Junkie Funk 3. <laughs> And Junkie Funk 3 says, a slice of heaven. Mary's voice is so soothing, it's like a bubble bath. She provides really useful tools that have enhanced my life and made my days more graceful. Junkie Funk, thank you so much. I so appreciate the way that you have worded that. And that is always my hope, is that in addition to insightful, thought-provoking, helpful tools, there's also that bubble bath, soft golden honey energy that helps relax your system into its deepest state of wisdom. And so thank you for your review. And if you, my dear listener, would like to hear your name read on the air, even if it's not as colorful as Junkie Funk 3, I encourage you to go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash review, and I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being part of this community.
So diving in to understanding and being a better steward of the economy of your energy. So if you are like most people, you create your time management based on units of time with the expectation that your energy will fill what units are there, right? So if I have eight hours a day, I know that as a human being, I can do this, 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 and this in those eight hours. And so off I go. And you might do that. And then you experience the phenomenon of getting to the end of the day and saying, ah, what is wrong with me? Why am I so, why am I such a procrastinator? Or why do I waste so much time? Because look at all this stuff I have left over to do. And once again, our ability to be productive is not necessarily based on time, but it is based on the quality of our energy. And I remember when I used to work in offices, I would be jamming from about 10 to 1.30. And then I'd go eat a salad or some other lunch. And then I'd come back to my desk and it would be like, like just tank, like just complete tank. And, um, now as, as a entrepreneur, I work a lot more than I used to in offices. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but one of the reasons I'm able to work more hours and more efficiently is because I have more control over my time. Whereas when my time was owned by just sitting in a desk for eight hours from two to five, I would just be checked out. But if I had been able to maybe go home after lunch and rest and replenish and play a little bit and then go back to work, I would say that I would probably be very, very productive and very able to put in two to three more hours into my day. So something to understand about your energy is that your energy is not just your physical body, but it is your full being, which is comprised of four bodies, for lack of a better word. We're really trying to put words to the uh, inexplicable here, but when I think about the four bodies and in my training as an embodiment coach, the four bodies are our physical body, our mental body, our emotional body, and our energetic body. And that what animates the mystery that animates all of those bodies is our life force, what some might call the soul. And so if you've ever had a really immersive, rough week at work, your mental body might be exhausted. If you go into doing what you normally do on a day-to-day basis, but the night before you learned that your best friend has betrayed you or some other significant emotional rupture, You might have physical energy to go about the day, but your emotional energy is negative 10. And so these are all just different ingredients in the cocktail of what we call your energy, but where they show up is in your physical body. And regardless of 
where these blocks or tension exists in your four bodies, at the end of the day, all you know is that you're exhausted and not the good kind of exhausted where you've had a really satisfying day and your body yawns like a cat and is ready for bed, but more the kind of exhausted where you have given too much or maybe you are really understimulated in your day, which can also lead to a funny kind of exhaustion that is different from true, genuine tiredness. And so once again, coaching is really just a way of asking compelling questions and using questions as the key to unlock a deeper level of awareness. So I want to share some questions that you can ask yourself now and invite you to see what resonates in your body. And the first is, as you look at the tasks before you, what kind of energy do I need for these tasks? So for example, on days where I see clients, I typically don't do anything other than see clients. I spend time in my embodiment practice in the morning. I work out. I make sure that my meals are set because I know that when I am showing up for my clients, if my mental energy is trying to lift 50 pound dumbbells while I'm also trying to support someone having an embodied experience, the two are going to compete. And so with the exception of checking my email in the morning, I really don't do anything on coaching days other than show up for my clients. On non-coaching days is where I funnel my admin tasks. And one of my mentors, Jenna Ward, once shared with me about making an embodied to-do list which is asking yourself which tasks on my list require a more linear mental energy and which tasks on my list require a more creative embodied energy. And so just this morning I was firing through some emails and feeling so great and so on track. And then I got an email from my beloved copywriter asking me a question about this naming project that we've been working on, which is a creative task. And all I needed to do was answer her email, but all of a sudden I started to spin out into our project. And all of a sudden that feeling of being on task and being focused and being in flow, I got way off track. And all of a sudden I'm remembering all these other things to do. And then seeing the dog and thinking she hasn't pooped yet. And (laughs) You know, my energy gets distracted because the kind of energy that I need in order to focus on something like naming a creation is a non-linear kind of energy. Another question to drop in is, am I procrastinating or am I allowing myself to be interrupted? I know for myself, even the tiniest interruption zaps. It's almost like if my energy is a hundred dollar bill, every interruption costs me 25 bucks. In fact, I was researching about this and a university of California study found that after each interruption, 
it takes over 23 minutes to refocus. And if the interruption takes you onto something else, this multitasking zaps your brain power, which is the equivalent of dropping 10 IQ points. Being here at my mom's and sharing space, I say to her, I'm going in the egg, which means I'm zipping up the energetic egg around me because I'm working on something where I need total focus. And so thank you for wondering if I might want some graham crackers, mom, but I'm in the egg. So she knows not to interrupt me. And so those are some jewels around serving your mental energy, but what about your physical energy? When we think about energy as this economy, there are expenditures and there are investments. So some of the ways I invest my energy are by getting dressed in the morning instead of sitting down at my computer in my robe, although that does happen, exercising, planning my meals and making sure that my blood sugar is taken care of, having sacred time where I meditate or journal. I receive coaching so that I'm replenished and operating from a surplus in order to give. And those are some of the things that give me energy. Some things that take my energy are checking my email, coaching, even though, you know, it gives me energy in a certain way. It's certainly me putting attention on someone else. And so it takes a certain amount of energy scrolling on my phone. And what's interesting about this is that often the thing that feels like we have the least energy for are the things that are going to give us the most energy back. It's almost like saving money. I have grown to love saving money. It gives me so much pleasure and so much satisfaction, but I used to hate it. And it used to feel unnatural to not spend my money on things that brought me joy. And I still spend my money on things that bring me joy, but I have a much healthier sense of containment around it because I get even more joy and pleasure from watching my savings grow. And so when that little voice awakens inside of me of, don't save that surplus at the end of the month, you deserve it. Go buy yourself that fancy trench coat that you've had your eye on, whatever it is. A thing you hear me say here a lot is it's not just about the voices in our head and what they're saying, but how they're saying it. And so when it comes to your own energy, what your brain will probably tell you is, I'm too tired. I don't have time to get dressed in the morning. I need to jump right into my email. What I would encourage you to do is just take a pause and ask yourself if that's true. So those are some questions to start with, with your physical energy. And with your emotional energy, one of the biggest ways that we lose energy emotionally, mentally, physically is by worrying about things that we cannot control. And that trance of worry of all these possible outcomes that we have really no control over every thought, every feeling all contains your life force. 
And I'll give you a really funny example that I noticed last night when I was walking my dog, Winnie. I was walking her and she pooped. I feel like this might be the second time I've talked about her poop on this episode. Maybe I deleted that last one. But anyway, I was walking her and she pooped and the <laughs> I pulled the poop bag out and it was the last poop bag and it ripped on the way out. And I was so mad because now I have to finagle her poop in the dark. But also, I'm so resentful because poop bags are so expensive and I get annoyed every time I have to buy them, plus the impact that they have on the environment. And I noticed myself just spinning out over this. And you often hear me say on this podcast, it's not just about what the voices in our head are saying, but it's about how they're saying it. And after many years of curious, gentle observation, when I get into this spinned out state, I'm able to say, whoa, 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 hold your horses. What's really going on here? And I'm so grateful for all the blessed times I'm showed up on that gosh darn meditation cushion in my life to listen to the voices in my own head that I can begin to understand and interpret the assembly that is there. Because in that moment, I was able to pause and say, okay, honey, I understand that the poop bags are a drama. And this is the first in my opinion, secret to freeing up your life force from worry is to start by approving of what your system is doing. Because obviously my system was probably worrying about something else. And we could do a whole Freudian analysis about what is the fear beneath the fear beneath the fear in the poop bag. But underneath there was clearly something going on, but I don't need to figure that out today. Figuring that out isn't really going to give me more answers. I'm just going to use my life force to say, oh yeah, poop bags. Is this something that you really want to miss the present moment for? It's not right or wrong that you worry about anything, but is this the use of your energy that feels most true to your soul? Our lives are made up of just a string of present moments. And so in that moment with the boot bag, asking myself, is this a present moment that I want to give away to this resentment and to this fear and to this frustration? And in that moment, the answer was no. And I don't have to figure out what I then do with that life force or where I put that life force. I just have to take it back so that I can use that emotional energy to do what it's really trying to do, which is love and be loved. You know, I think that spin and that worry and that departure from the present moment, that zap, whether it's from a poop bag or something more significant, it all comes down to the fear of losing the love I have or not getting the love I need. Very primal perspective. And so poop bag oracle. That's your gem around (laughs) emotional energy. And then the last gem I want to offer you is simply the replenishment of play. That word might stress you out. I always say, if you really want to stress out a fully grown adult human being, 
ask them what they do for fun. Because so many of us are so disconnected from the world of play. And I find that for a lot of people, myself included, it's not a lack of rest that is creating a sense of tiredness and exhaustion, but it's a disconnection from the experience of play. So some of the things that bring me a sense of play are playing dress up, not necessarily cosplay or putting on costumes, but just wearing something fabulous, giving myself the joy of creating art with my appearance, running towards a swing set, making art, playing with color. There's this show on PBS. It's called Simple Comforts with Mary Berry. Oh, oh my God. I just discovered it recently. And you might know who Mary Berry is if you watch the great British baking show. I just got to know her through this show, Simple Comforts, but it's a show where she goes all around Europe and explores these different landscapes and settles into different sensual pleasures like a trout smokehouse in the middle of Scotland in winter. And then she shows you how to make a trout moose. It's the most enchanting, playful, curious, lovely thing. I love it so much. And I'll just close this gem and this episode by saying that over the last six to 12 months, I feel like I've really learned a lot about how much I would wake up in the morning and plan my day around things that I thought would make me happy someday. And how after a big health challenge last summer, I've begun shifting that question to what is going to make me happy today and separating happiness from accomplishment. You know, it certainly makes me happy to create things and to do great things and to meet my dreams. But like right now, the carpet I'm sitting on makes me really happy. And the fact that I'm wearing a dress in March when it's cold outside makes me really happy. And I was going to say talking to you makes me really happy. And it does. Sure it does. But when I look to the left, it's like, oh, the hearts on my socks. Those make me really happy. Pretty much anything that delights my inner child brings me happiness now. Of course, it brings me happiness to put this podcast out in the world, but it more delights my adult. And what brings my inner child happiness is just a lot different. And so that's a question I'd invite you to drop in for yourself to see what jewels and gems get revealed. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can head over to schoolofsensualliving.com slash review or just hop onto iTunes directly and I will see you in the next episode. For coaching, classes, and community in creating a lifestyle of embodiment, head over to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video series in how to intercept the stress response of anxiety and generate genuine feelings of ease and confidence through your body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com confidence to get your first video today.